what I found is that most of the serial killers are very normal people. Um, some of them, is like they're actually very nice people. They're pleasant people. Um, it's a tragedy that they became serial killers. And thereby, I'm not condoning what they're doing. And I'm also not um, neglecting the fear and, and the pain that the victim went through and the pain that their families are suffering. But serial killers are very, very normal. And they have a lot of pain inside them that, that compel them to do what they do. That is the voice of Mickey Pistorius, the South African forensic psychologist who pioneered the use of criminal profiling in South Africa. And That's uh, how we welcome our guest, the one and only Nicole Engelbrach. Nicole, good morning this morning. Thank you for waking up so early and a happy Easter yes, to you. Good morning, Manda. Thank you so much. It is it is early, but I am conscious and I'm awake, and I thank you for the opportunity. Ah, South Africans on scrack vacker. We don't sleep. <laughs> Lockdown or not, we don't sleep. We are busy. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Nicole, I mean, you know, um, you, uh, uh, podcasts have become a, a different avenue in terms of information, sometimes focused information, sometimes enriching information, and sometimes just raising awareness. In this case, yours is, is a hard hitting. It, it's kind of hard to place it because it covers a number of areas. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, so um, predominantly my podcast would be called a true crime podcast, um, which is very uh, popular in America. Uh, South Africa, we really only have one or two that fit the genre, so it is very new to us. Um, the, one of the reasons that I started this podcast, Mandla, was to be a voice for South African victims of violent crime. Um, you know, our mainstream media does a great job of covering cases day to day, but often there's so much focus on the perpetrator that the victim is almost forgotten. So I wanted this podcast to be a bridge between headlines that we see on a basis and the human beings behind those. Um, yeah. Um, yes. Did you want to move a little bit uh, to be in a comfortable? You keep breaking a little bit there for me. Um, Goodness, I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, I am um, in my house. Yeah, well. <laughs> Hold on one second. Let me see if I can. Okay. Yeah. Um, as you were saying, you know, talking for the, for victims and obviously. Um, the coverage that is there when there's a crime perpetrated focusing mainly on the perpetrator. Did, did you find as well that the public always wants to have conclusion in addition to, you know, the victims and the families who are affected? The public also wants conclusion to see how things end up. Absolutely. Um, is, is, are you hearing me a bit better now, Mandla? Much better, ma'am. Okay, fantastic. So absolutely, that is definitely the case. Um, you know, a lot of these cases, as they are in the headlines, the public becomes uh, bought into them and they become part of the story. And uh, sometimes we know what, what the outcome is and sometimes we don't. And that is a very important thing for, obviously, more important for the families from an emotional perspective. But, um, you know, for the, for the public, it is also extremely important to know that there has been resolution. I can agree with you because we are also uh, affected by what happens to other people so badly that we need a help or, or, uh, ourselves even though we're not close to the case. Absolutely, absolutely. It's that secondary trauma. You're quite correct, Manda. Sure. And 
You put this up and uh, South Africans have taken to it uh, big time. They really have. <laughs> I was, you know, this was going to be a hobby to start with. Um, you know, it was going to be a hobby project and South Africans have made sure that that was not the case. They've bought into the podcast amazingly, uh, built a community around it. So they enjoy the content, um, you know, but they have really... The response has been absolutely phenomenal, and not just from South Africa, I must tell you. Uh, international listeners are very interested to hear about our cases as well. So it's been absolutely phenomenal. I'm so grateful and so humbled by the response. What goes into putting this together? It must be a lot of work. It is a lot of work, Mandela. Um, look, it's, it's completely worth it. Um, it is a lot, there's a lot of research involved because... I pride myself on being very detail-orientated in how I present the cases, um, you know, and I, I also want to make sure that everything is absolutely factual. So you, there, there's a, a lot of research that goes into it, um, you know, contacting, sometimes contact, contacting victims' families if they're willing to talk, um, respecting their privacy if, if that's the case. So, yes, it, it is quite a lot of work, but absolutely worth it every moment. Because I find people are very sensitive in talking about uh, such uh, um, touchy subjects, for lack of a better word. How, how are you able to get people to talk about such painful experiences and, 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 and give you exactly what you want, knowing that the greater public is going to consume this? Sure. So that really depends on whether it often often depends whether it's a closed case or or a solved case rather or an unsolved case. Um, in solved cases, I will try to get an idea of how the family has interacted with the media in the past to get an idea of whether it would be a good idea to approach them. Often, I will leave the family alone and not re, you know stir up uh, old memories. With unsolved cases, that's a little bit different because those family members are really our biggest source of information. Um, you know, but in those cases, often the, uns the uns unsolved cases, the family will contact me and say, you know, we'd like our story, our family member's story covered on your podcast. Would you mind? So that makes things a little bit easier. But always very important to be respectful, Manta. There's no more... Um, nothing is more important than making sure that the family is not further traumatized than they already are. I can imagine that. Uh, I, I was just thinking, you know, it's, it's nice to see, it's interesting to see that uh, you even have families coming to you to say, look, you know, talk about this. Yeah. Uh, something I wouldn't have expected because some of these cases are, are very difficult and, and very sore, if you will. Um, the, the issue of red tape, because, I mean, you've got to talk to... Uh, an investigator who is part of the police services. You've got to talk to probably a defense lawyer at some point. You've got to talk to a prosecutor at some point, a criminal case, a, a profiler. Uh, those people have, have got their professional ethics to follow. How do you bridge that? Yes, absolutely. So for solved cases, um, you know, I'll usually use information that those types of people have already put in the public domain. Um, you know, unless they are willing to speak to me. It really depends where these people are in their career. So if they are still with SAPS, it's difficult for them to talk about cases. Um, so usually I'll use information that's in the public domain, but I really am hoping to be able to build relationships with SAPS 
to be able to help them with their cold cases. Uh, this is a very new concept in South Africa, and I understand that. Uh, you know, but I really am hoping to get to the point, as they are in America and the UK, where uh, the law enforcement will actually use these podcasts once they've established their legitimacy as a tool to get to raise awareness, because that's really what this is all about: is getting these so-called invisible victims that mainstream media doesn't always. Uh, cover in front of the the public's face so that they can start a conversation and get people talking about the case. That's an investigator and you're talking. (laughs) Maybe the the hidden investigator, yes, I'm sure it is. (laughs) I think there's more than one professional hidden in you, a lawyer as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, thank you. Well, yeah, I I do believe, I remember when I was a child, I did at some stage want to be a lawyer, but that's I don't know what happened to that dream. <laughs> well, it's manifesting itself very slowly. It's ah. getting there. It's, it's, Thank you. Uh, uh, any risks that you face while you investigate to some of these cases? So, something that I always point out to the the victim families as well as my listeners is that I'm not trying to take the place of a private investigator or a uh, the law enforcement official. That's not my role. I'm not qualified to do that. What I do is I research and I bring the story, I present the story. I present the, the facts in a story uh, to raise awareness. But I don't ever want anyone to think that I am digging because I think that I can solve the case myself. I think that I can help by raising awareness so in terms of risk, I don't know that I face any more risk than any other a, a normal journalist would. Um, you know, I try not to put myself in harm's way. Uh, you know, certainly I, I probably am facing a certain amount of risk because some of the cases I cover, the perpetrators are already out of jail or they haven't been caught yet. Um, but like I say, I don't, I don't know that that risk is any higher than a journalist you know, any other journalist. But do you find that, uh, you know, law enforcement officers, while they're busy with uh, an open case uh, through their investigations, tend to come to you and say, Nicole, have you seen anything that we haven't seen? So I have a rule. Um, I don't involve myself in active cases unless I have been given permission by a person that's involved in the case. So either a law enforcement official, a family member, or a private investigator. Mm. The reason I do that is because, and when I say active, I'm talking, you know, actively being researched or investigated at that time. And the reason for that is that I don't ever want to be the person that puts a piece of information out there that puts a case at risk. So I make sure that if I'm covering an active case, as some of the unsolved ones I've covered have been, that I am 100% sure that the police have gone through their investigation and they're almost at a a dead end, so to speak, where my awareness will help their investigation. Um, Have I been contacted by any police uh, official or law enforcement? No, Um, but that is certainly an avenue I'd like to build with, with that. If, if possible in the future.
I can see that happening pretty soon. We're chatting to Nicole Engelbrecht. She's a podcaster. She's put together True Crime South Africa. It's on iono.com. You can listen out to quite a number of interesting cases. Uh, how? I, I mean, you know, Nicole, you, doing what you're doing, sometimes you wear a number of hats. And I am thinking you're trying to get uh, the, the true facts out of a particular story while also addressing the needs of the, the victims particularly and, and all the you know, concerned cases. That must, must take a toll on you. You must need an outlet of sorts. Um, yes. So it's interesting. A lot of people ask me, how do I do this day, day by day? You know, look at the cases every day and how do I cope? It's, I didn't really understand how I dealt with it myself until I started dealing with some professionals in the law enforcement and, uh, you know, forensic uh, psychology and that's those types of fields. And they said to me that what they do is, and I think this is what I do as well, is when you've got a job to do, you, you pigeonhole off those emotions. So the emotions about the case, your personal emotions, you pigeonhole them off so that you can focus on the job. And then once you've got the job done, you deal with those emotions if if you need to. Uh, you know, for me, what I'm getting out of this podcast and what I'm seeing happening for other people and for um, victims in our society is making up for any small difficulties that I may suffer myself. Uh, you know, so... Does it have an impact on me? Yes, I think about these cases. And I think if I didn't, there would be something wrong with me. But I try not to let it affect me to the point where I can't do what I committed to do anymore. The, the people that obviously tune in, they must have questions beyond just listening out to what you've been able to put together. Oh, absolutely, yes. So we have on our social media platforms, uh, the listeners are very interactive. We have some awesome conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, but something that is important to me is that we always remain respectful of the victims and and even in certain circumstances, the perpetrators, because the perpetrators have families too, and you know they've they've also experienced trauma. They they didn't commit the crime. Um, so we we have fabulous conversations and respectful conversations and. Luckily, we have a lot of listeners who are actually professionals in the field. Uh, so a lot of forensic psychologists and uh, criminologists, and they weigh in with their uh, professional opinions, which is fantastic. So, you know, we're not just a bunch of uh, people from the public coming up with our own, our own ideas, um, but always respectful, but very interesting conversations we have on social media, yes. The, the cold cases, mm-hmm. what, what, why those? So I think those, you know, those cases are the reason that I started this podcast. Because in South Africa and in the world, we have what I call invisible victims. Those victims that never got the coverage on mainstream media that they deserved. And perhaps as a result, their case didn't get the attention it deserved. And it went cold, and their family and and the victim is still waiting for justice. So those cold cases are, that's the reason True Crime South Africa exists. Um, It's to bring awareness to those cases so that when we start talking about it, we, 
you know, the witnesses start coming forward. People start, it starts sparking something in memory, even if it was 15 years ago. They say, you know, hang on, I lived in Durban at that time. What do I remember about that that period in time? So that that's why the, the cold cases are so important for me to cover. Do you find enthusiasm from the police force? Obvious, obviously, they're overwhelmed, um, particularly when you bring up... Uh, cold cases is there enthusiasm to say okay let's look at it again as you say if suddenly somebody remembers something and they want to share it so all of the cold cases that i've covered so far i have not been involved with the police around it um it's been private investigators uh, so the family because the case has gone cold have gone to private investigators and those private investigators have come to me um all the family has come to me so there, there hasn't been any involvement as yet, but through the private investigators, I know that the leads that have been developed are being looked at by the police. So as soon as they are getting this new information that's coming from the podcast, they are absolutely working on it 100%. In, in the cases, I mean, there's a lot of episodes to, to, to listen through and really, really... Uh, sink your mind into it. Um, what, what, what's th- which case stood out for you? Um, so most definitely the case, unsolved case of Connor Isaacs. Um, so that was one of my more recent ones, and that was the first time that I interviewed a family member, his mom and his dad, in person. And Connor Isaacs was a 14-year-old boy that was murdered in his home uh, last year. His case is still unsolved. And I think probably meeting the parents face-to-face, uh, that made a huge difference. And also hearing about who Connor was. Uh, you know, it's, it takes the name from just a word on a piece of paper to being a human being. Um, another one that stood out for me was, was one of the first cases I covered, which was Amakhle Tibete, with the uh, eight-year-old girl that went missing from Takani uh, last year in April. And unfortunately, she has not been found yet. Uh, so those are two cases, maybe because they're children, um, but predominantly because they never got a big news headline. So they really fit to what I want to do on True Crime South Africa. Also, I mean, there's a, there's a case in Verulam that young... Uh, and Lebobo, um, you know, there's a story now that one of the people involved there has got close links with the police. Really? Yeah. I haven't heard that yet, my goodness. That's the story doing the rounds here. I wonder when yeah. it gets to a podcast space, what would you have uncovered and how <laughs> would the case conclude? Yeah, no, well, definitely I'll just keep an eye on this and hopefully justice is served in, in my and story. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're speaking for the victims. You're speaking for the voiceless. You're speaking for people who want closure. Close and not so close. Nicole? Sorry, yes. Just say that for me again, Manda. No, I was just saying that at the end of the day, you're speaking for the victims. You're speaking for people who want closure. You're speaking for... Uh, people who want closure, who are very close to the case and not so close, but have suddenly been affected by it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So it, 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 one of the most interesting things for me in, do, in this process is 
and I'm learning all the time, is the domino effect that trauma around a crime has throughout a family, extended family, friends, a community, and how long it goes on for. And, you know, one would think that a person who lost their best friend when they were a child, by the time they're an adult, they wouldn't remember it. But when a person has lost a child, a, a, a best friend through murder, I spoke to a young lady the other day who lost her best friend 25 years ago to murder. And the case is still unsolved. And she broke down on the phone. Um, you know, it's not her sister. It was her best friend. They were 14 years old when they, they knew each other for a year. But that trauma has been embedded in her life. You know, so that closure is so important. And even if, if the case is not solved at this time, just having that victim's story told so that they know and the family knows that that person hasn't been forgotten, that now people know about the case and their memory lives on. That's, I think that is a very important part of what the podcast does as well. Yeah, it's, it's important for people to know and for people to appreciate people's difficulties and grieving processes and um, for victims to know that they're not alone. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Sure, Nicole. Fantastic stuff you're doing. And uh, we, we, we hope that, uh, you know, True Crime South Africa grows in the many facets that you invested it in. And hopefully people will come forth as well and, you know, maybe ask you to look at other areas as well because there's a lot to talk about in this. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and hopefully you can also get those relationships to a point where you are able to help. And, you know, get your private investigators who are willing to share information with you with the sole purpose of helping uh, to, you know, serve justice. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Wow. Um, you know, I think, <clears throat> pardon me, I think we just, we need to get to the stage where I've earned trust. And I understand that that is a process. People, no one knows who I am. I mean, I was, you know, I am just a member of the public. So they need to know that they can trust me. And once I've earned that trust... I hope that I can play a, a role in, in solving these cases. Jason Ster, you're a rock star. <laughs> you're a rock star. Thank you. Thank you so much. Once Amanda. again, we go to True Crime South Africa for, for, for episodes. So you want, you're wanting to know where, where the listeners can go? Y yes, please. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, so True Crime South Africa is available on, <clears throat> pardon me, on Iona FM, as you said. And then also on all the major podcast platforms, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, um, and then I release episodes every Friday. So we've got one coming up tomorrow. Uh, yes, tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow's Friday. Yes, one yeah. is coming out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Nicole, good job you're doing, Mom. Thank you ever so much. Uh, made grow. We will talk again. Thank you so much, Mandla. Really appreciate it. Keep well. Lovely. Thank you. All right. Nicole bye -bye. Engelbrecht, uh, podcaster, True Crime South Africa. Check it out. There's a whole lot uh, many of us uh, can learn. There's a whole lot uh, that uh, you can share as well.